You know, when Peter proclaimed to Jesus after Jesus asked him, who do you say that I am? And he said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, that's correct. You know, you only got this through the spirit. And it's on this rock that I will build my church. And he made a statement. He said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In the New Testament, the first century church was a rapidly expanding force on the planet. It was um, Peter preached the day of Pentecost, 3,000 men get saved. The story we're talking about here by that time, 5,000. Now, that's not including their, their wives and children. And, and, and it was rapidly expanding. There were things happening. It was an aggressive gospel. But I believe in our modern day culture, we've kind of caged it up a little bit. It's got to fit in our parameters. And it's got to, that a move of God has to fit our work schedule and our time schedule and our all of our schedules we can't it's just got to fit and it can't get weird in walmart and it can't get weird at work right as if walmart's not weird already and so i really have an appetite for seeing the gospel uncaged and experiencing what it was like because i believe come on it's independence weekend right it's july 4th weekend it's the greatest thing we could do with freedom. Being the most free people on the planet, being the most wealthy people on the planet, why wouldn't the gospel go forward the most rapidly on the planet? Amen? And so we're going to talk this month about uncaging not only the church, but your marriage, kids. You might want to keep them, keep them in a cage. A padded cage. We're going to talk about uncaging things today. Acts chapter 4. Starting in verse 1, the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John because it was evening. They put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed. So the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. That's a decent sized church. The next day, the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought to them. They began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we were being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how he was healed. Don't you love it how he prefaces all that? If you're going to arrest us over healing this guy, then know this. You and all the people of Israel, by the name of Jesus Christ Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is a stone you builders rejected just become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and asked, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. 
What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him, you be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. But the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Father, we thank you. God, you do miraculous things in our midst. We pray, God, that in our future, that this church, that your church, Lord, would expand the gospel in a way that is undeniable. God, that you would do signs and wonders in our midst. Not here at church, Lord, but when we're standing in the marketplace. When we're standing and people are asking for things that we might not have, but we have what they do need. Pray, God, that this church, that your church will be uncaged. And it will be all that you had intended for it to be. Jesus' mighty name we pray. And everyone said, amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. This is very early on in the book of Acts. It's Acts chapter 4. If you go to Acts chapter 3, you realize Peter and John were going to the temple to pray. And it was a typical thing that they were going to do. So they were going to the temple to pray. And there was a guy who we later find out had been crippled since birth and he was over 40 years old. How old is that? And he um, asked them for some help. And so they, they look at him and they say, we don't have any money for you, buddy. But uh, here's what we do have. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. And to everybody's astonishment, the man pops up to his feet. Now, does it take a long for a crowd to develop in that area of the world in America we could say hey a guy just got healed outside and you're like yeah but it's kind of hot we've become extremely cynical to things of God haven't we we've seen them on TV we've seen the fakes we've seen the imposters we've seen the, the prosperity preachers that say send in your two thousand dollars and then and then uh, God will bless you and I'm thinking, well, why don't you send me $2,000 and God will bless you? It works that way. They never do, though. So we, we've gotten kind of jaded by things uh, oftentimes. But this was an undeniable account. And what happens is um, Peter and John find, them in, find themselves in a place where they're able to teach about what had just happened. And so they do that. And then they find themselves under the scrutiny of the officials. And so they they book them that evening and it's too late. Book them, Dano. They book them that evening and it's too late so they wait till the next day and they, they bring them out and they start questioning them. How did you do this? What power and authority did you do this under? Now, could you imagine looking at 
something miraculous that had happened that no one could deny and looking at it through that lens tell us how you pulled this off tell us what the magic trick was tell us who gave the authority to do this now what you have to understand is just uh, weeks before Peter had been denying Christ remember when Jesus was arrested Peter follows him into the the courtyard and he denies that he even knows Jesus three times actually throws a little cuss words in there to make sure it sticks you know they're effective in certain circumstances and um and so he's like I don't know him and you remember the rooster crowed and then Peter locks eyes with Jesus and realizes what he had done that he had actually fulfilled everything Jesus had said was going to happen earlier So we have Peter who was denying Christ before now standing in front of the same people who had murdered him and now proclaiming, uh, well, if you want to know how we got the power and authority to do this, to do this good deed, by the way, um, it's Jesus Christ, Nazareth. So something is drastically different between now and then, and everybody knew it. The whole tables had turned. We had disciples who were locking themselves in rooms in Acts chapter 1 and by Acts chapter 4 they are defying the authorities uh, about speaking the name of Jesus and they're actually healing people on their way to pray that's a drastic difference and so sometimes sometimes I feel uh, like the church operates more like Acts chapter 1 where we're not really sure what to do we're we're in a church building. We lock it up while we're in here. And uh, actually, we don't lock it up. Fire marshal says we can't because you got to get back out if there's a fire. But, you know, we're in here doing our thing. They're out there doing their thing. And, um, and it's kind of weird intersections throughout the week sometimes that we meet people and we, and we muster up enough courage to say something about church, uh, let alone the name of Jesus. But something drastic happened with them. They were empowered and, and it finally clicked all that they had been around Jesus and seen and done. And so my, my desire as far as the church is, is that that same transformation happens in our midst, that, that not only the church grow numerically because we have decent music and we wear blue jeans, but, but because there's a testimony that we've been with Christ Come on, there's a testimony that we've been with Christ so that it's not just a fun club to be a part of because, uh, because there's plenty of those around to be a part of. But this is a thing where we come together every Sunday morning and celebrate uh, what Christ has done in and through us throughout the week, that our relationship with him culminates in us coming together and testifying and lifting up praise and honoring him. That's really what church is about, isn't it? It's not really about coming here and expecting a healing. It's coming here and talking about the healings. But we, but we kind of get it backwards sometimes because we, we alienate ourselves from the gospel Monday through Saturday and then we come back here and expect to get a shot of steroids to start out the beginning of the week. When really, in reality... This is a gathering to celebrate the goodness of God, to celebrate, hey, you know what? I stepped out in faith and gave over and above what I thought I was capable of, and God provided all week for me, actually over in abundance, and I'm calling you to let you know. I'm going to show up on Sunday and give the testimony. I'm going to encourage others. So you see this guy was was crippled from birth. He's over 40 years old. He's sitting at the gate, and something something I, I looked at was kind of, strange to me because 
These guys just a couple weeks ago were locking themselves in rooms and, and there was no... There was no thought of going outside of there into the dangerous world, laying hands on somebody and seeing them healed. There's no thought of that. But now the transformation has taken place. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit and, the, and everything they had been around Jesus learning was now clicking. And so now they walk up to him and, they, and he asks them for something they don't have. And now they look at him and offer him something he didn't want. And I, as soon as I thought about that, I thought, wait a second. I remember reading this the week before. Do you guys remember? Just the week before, we were in the same situation where they let the man down through the roof. And he's crippled and he's laying there. And obviously, you don't let a guy down through the roof unless he's crippled. So they let him down through the roof. He wants to be healed. The place is packed. And Jesus says, hey, your sins are forgiven. He's like, yeah, thanks, bro. About these legs. That's why they dropped me down in here. Because if I could walk, I'd have walked in the back door. But it was so full, you can't bring a crippled guy on a mat through the, back, through the door because it's so full. So they had to let me down through the roof. That's why you dropped me, they dropped me down through the roof. And now you heal my sins. Forgive my sins, but my legs still don't work. And so I started thinking, wow. Where did, how, did, how did Peter and John even get that idea? Like, because if, if you're anything like me, now, sometimes I'm ashamed to admit this, and maybe I'm a little too transparent at times at church because you're like, wow, he really struggles. Um, <laughs> we're all on this thing together. Don't forget that. So anyway, how many times were you standing outside the store and somebody walks up to you and says, hey, buddy, you got any money? And you're like, dude, I don't carry cash. For this very reason, by the way, and I got to go in the store. Um, never crosses my mind to look at him and say, hey, I know someone could heal you. I'm just busy trying to remember if I put any cash in my pocket or not and how I can deny it. I'm not saying you got to pull money out every time somebody comes up to you. But I'm saying, I'm saying what? The transformation that took place from a couple weeks ago, locking themselves in rooms, being fearful, to now going, we don't have any money and you're the, you're the beggar that's here all the time. We don't have any money, but now we have healing. I and I started thinking, man, you know what? The more they were with Jesus, the more they watched him give people what they didn't ask for. He, Jesus gave people what they needed, not just what they wanted. You drop a guy down through the roof and he's got bad legs. He, he forgives them of his sin first. Because isn't it better to go to heaven with bad legs than it is to have good legs and go to hell? So he says, hey, listen, the real problem here is that you need to be forgiven. So I'm going to forgive your sins. Don't, don't get excited. I'm not going to forget about your legs. You're, you're laying right here in front of everybody. I can't ignore it. And so Peter and John find themselves in front of this guy. And now it's all coming together. They've been empowered by the Holy Spirit and boom. Hey, Jesus gave. Remember we saw Jesus do this? We ain't got no money. Preachers. We got no money. We're, hey, buddy, we don't have anything to give you, but I remember Jesus doing this. He empowered me. We don't have any money. But in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm now there stand up and walk. And the guy pops right up. What if, 
What if the very thing that keeps the man in the parking lot begging for money, you had the ability to speak healing into that? Because isn't it annoying that he's there every day? They were able to walk through the next day and not have the guy beg for money because he had legs he could walk. And so the church, man, I should probably be a little careful. The church could alleviate a lot of issues by acting like Jesus. Because, the, because we only want to give people what they want in the moment, not what they need. And so if we walk into the parking lot, somebody's begging for money, we never think to say, listen, the God of all creation can heal you in this instant. And you don't have to stand here doing this anymore. He can heal your drug addiction. He can heal your alcohol addiction. He can heal everything that plagues you in this moment that caused you to get to this point. He can heal in the name of Jesus. Come on, be whole. And that's an aggressive church, isn't it? That's an aggressive church. And so, so even by the testimony of the people that were, had them on trial, the next day they, they, they teach, they arrest them, they got them, who, who, whose name, who, who are you doing this stuff in? Well, if you want to know who we did the good deed, if you want to know why we did the good deed, it was in Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So they go through this little conversation, and then, they, and then they leave them, and they say, oh, man, you know what? Here's the issue. They brought the guy's name up, and we can't deny that they've been with him. We know they were with him. And I don't know about you, but, but that's the testimony I want of my life. Is that when I walk out of these doors... And I go Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, whatever I'm doing, I want the testimony to be, man, we can't deny that he's been with Jesus. My wife knows it when I've been with Jesus. I'm so much nicer. I'm like the king of good. She's like, you've been praying, haven't you? (laughs) It works. It works. These kids, man, make you crazy. She's like, you've been praying, haven't you? I'm like, yeah. I've been praying a lot lately. I, it, was, it was amazing. We had a week sort of without kids. My, my son was around, but he wasn't. And so then all of a sudden, all three of my kids are back in the house this morning. I'm like, I'm not sure I was with Jesus long enough to handle this this morning. I'm like, nobody was arguing all week. You guys were 10 hours back in the house. I need to be with Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. Is that the testimony of your life? When you walk into the workplace, they say, man, we can't deny they've been with Jesus. Who would have thought to do that? Who would have thought to do that? You see, my fear is, is my knee-jerk reaction is not does not indicate that I've been with Christ. That's my fear. My knee-jerk reaction doesn't indicate that I've been with Christ. But their knee-jerk reaction indicated there was no denying. The man was still standing there with him. He was actually hanging on to him. Ain't nothing more, ain't nothing worse than a needy man that just been healed. (laughs) It's like, get off of me, man. The Bible says he was hanging on to him. Now listen, I pray for a day that the church's knee-jerk reaction is just what Jesus did. That, that when we encounter throughout our day, 
And then whatever is said about us, the end result is, I can't deny they've been with Christ. I can't deny it. If we want to uncage the church, it's got to be more about us being with Jesus than about us being cool. It's got to be more about us being with Jesus than about us getting everything perfect or not offending anybody or not or or or, or going to work and not rustling any or or you know it's Walmart. I don't want to pray for everybody. It's got to be more about that. Because at some point in time, it clicked with the disciples who were fearful, they're powered by the Holy Spirit, and then boom, I can't deny they've been with Jesus. Where did they even get the idea to do that? Maybe they watched when there was accounts of everybody in the town that they brought to Jesus. He would lay his hands on them and heal them. They watched it. They watched him do miracle after miracle after miracle. And then he empowered them and sent them out. And they said, well, we've been with him. This is what he did. So it became second nature to them. My fear is the second nature of the church is not like Christ. And if we're going to uncage this amazing thing God has, has given us, the church, then our, our immediate reaction has to be, I mean, you remember the what would Jesus do thing. That was kind of corny, wasn't it? So instead of wearing a wristband, why don't we just say, I don't have any money. This is what I do have. You know, I was able to go, um, some of you saw it on Instagram. Uh, this time in Africa, I was able to go to a place called Masai Mara, which is arguably the number one game park in the country. And, um, uh, and so I got to see uh, a pride of lions that had just killed a buffalo. Oh, yeah. It's not the zoo. So I'm in this van with a top up. I'm standing up. The front of the van's like right here. And they're all cute and cuddly. You know, you want to get out and just, oh, would you, would you, would you. Until you realize that lioness has blood all over her face, all over her side. I mean, she just got done tearing this thing up. Stomach all bloated because she just gorged herself. And I'm like, man, this is so much better than a zoo. In a zoo, the guy comes out with gloves with a piece of meat that some guy carved up really nice. And they're like, here you go. And the lion's like, oh, I'm going to be polite because everybody's watching. I'm just going to eat it right out of your hand. This thing was crazy. And it walked right in front of our van, like leaned on it. So I'm out here like the tourists, you know, I'm like, oh, my goodness, like snapping pictures, snapping. I'm five feet away from this thing. And I thought, Lord. So much better when there's no cages. So much better when they're acting like you created them to act. It's so much better when they're out here and there's no fences and they're just eating things. It's awesome. This is the way, this is how you created lions to act. This is how you created them to be. It's amazing. And I'm here, standing in the middle of it, and it's leaning on my van. Can you believe that? And then these hyenas came up and we thought they were going to have a fight. We're like, do it, do it. You know, like teenage kids in high school, don't fight, fight. And, you know, I'll never be able to go to a zoo again. Think about it. Why do I want to see a lion caged up? 
being hand-fed when I've seen the real thing. Can I tell you today, church, why do you want to be a church that's caged up when we can experience a real thing? The gates of hell will not prevail against us. That we're overcomers by the blood of Jesus Christ. That your story is a story of overcoming and victory and power. And you don't have to be laying on the sideline doing nothing. You don't have to be, you don't have to be impotent in the world. You can be out there causing change and seeing amazing things happen when the gospel works through you. There's no cage in the original plan. It's for an aggressive, conquering church, conquering through grace. So they said, we can't deny that they've been with Jesus. So the uncaged church, it's undeniable that we've been with Christ, right? And then it produces things in us. And we begin to, we begin to do things inherently that we didn't do before. Like we begin to forgive and extend grace and mercy and all those things are like, whoa, you said you were sorry. Yeah, I did. It's crazy. What's the difference? Jesus. Well, you're forgiving. I've never known you to do that. What's the difference? Man, this gospel has changed my life. What's undeniable that you've been with Christ? It's undeniable because your knee-jerk reaction was to slap me in the mouth last time. And you know what's amazing? It's amazing when the transformation is instant, isn't it? catches people so off guard like last week you're swinging at them this week you're like man i forgive you in jesus name they're like what are you smoking no 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 it's not it's i've been with jesus this week now watch this one last thing i need to i need to show you this because this is where it gets to be a little sticky wicked because we want god to deliver us matter of after all, he delivered his own people out of Egypt and all that stuff. And God's a God that delivers and sets free and all those things. But, but there's one little caveat that's made at the end of the story. It's because the very thing that Jesus promised would happen, he said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. So now, weeks later, they're out preaching. They're healing people, teaching people. And the very thing is starting to happen. They lock them up overnight. Who doesn't like a night in prison? I mean, it's just, you know, they feed you, I guess. So he's got a night in jail, and then they bring him out the next day, and they warn him, don't do this, don't do that, don't, you can't be doing this. This is what they do at the end. Watch this. In verse 29, this is their prayer. Compare it to ours often. Because I don't know about you, but when I get in a, when I get in a bad spot, I instantly start saying, God, I need like one of those things that'll come down and suck me out of this, right? Like, I don't want to stay here in this mess. I don't want to stay in this trouble. I don't want to stay in this pain. I don't want to stay in any of this. I don't want to stay in this bad relationship. I don't want to stay in this, uh, I don't want to stay in this job. I just want you to get me out of it. Like, beam me up, Scotty. Like, get me, invent something to get me out of this. And that's the way we pray, right? That's the modern day caged up church. Because you know what? It's really safe in the cage. Because here's what happens. The lion is the king of the jungle, right? It is. But you've seen pictures when a lion tried to eat a little, uh, a little buffalo and then the big buffalo came over and hit the lion with his horns. Lions don't play around buffaloes, man. Not big ones, because a buffalo will stomp a lion. 
Matter of fact, the guy I was with said he saw a giraffe stomp a lion one time. Big old, big old lion thought he was going to chase a giraffe, and that giraffe turned around and went whack. And then he just said he stood on top of him, just pounded him with those hooves. Imagine a lion, imagine a giraffe. They're all nice and docile. That'll ruin your bedtime stories. <laughs> and the giraffe killed the kid. You know, like you're like, whoa, what? One big swing of his head. So. <laughs> So all of a sudden, Jesus transforms your life, but then you realize you might not be at the top of the food chain. And difficulty's still there. And so we run back to the cage, because in the cage we're protected. You see, in a lion cage, he doesn't have to worry, he, he, doesn't, worry about, he doesn't have to worry about a buffalo goring him. He doesn't have to worry about anything else. Those lions that I watched that morning were actually a little nervous because there was nine hyenas coming up. And nine hyenas and one male lion, that's, that's going to be a fight. And the guy told us oftentimes enough hyenas will come in, they'll run a lion. They'll run a pride of lions off and take the food. Them hyenas are nasty straight from the devil, like all nasty looking. So here's what we do. We get, in, we get in bad situations at the church. We run back into the cage because the cage is safe. We're like, God, get me out of this. Put me in the cage. I want to I be back where it's safe. I don't want any trouble. I, don't want, any, I, don't, I want my, all my relationships to work. I want my job to work. I don't, I don't want any trouble, any difficulty. I just want it back where it was. Put me back in the cage. But the New Testament church prayed different. The uncaged church prayed like this. Watch this. So if you skip down to verse 29, it says, Now, Lord, consider their threats. They're saying it's happening. Like you said it was going to happen, it's happening. They're threatening us already. Now, Lord, consider their threats. But this is different. They don't say, consider their threats, Lord. you got to beam us up out of here quick. you got to get us out of this place. Get, make us safe. Come on. No, the uncaged church prayed different. They said, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. That's totally different. The uncaged church doesn't say, get me out of the problem. It says, walk me, empower me through the problem. Because listen, if you're walking through the problem at your job, there's probably somebody else there. The only difference is you have the answer. And if you're the one with the answer and you leave, then nobody has the answer. But you're there. You're in the middle of it. And so they're like, listen, we have the answer that can fix all this. So God, don't remove us from this persecution, but empower us to speak the answer boldly in the middle of it. And so we will stay here as long as you will have us stay because we're the uncaged church. We're the church that the gate of hell, the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. So we're going to be aggressive moving forward. And so in the middle of this hard time, this difficulty, empower us to proclaim your gospel even more. Not, well, you know, I tried church. That didn't work. No, no, no. That's what people are used to hearing. What they need to hear is, I've accepted Christ, he's forgiven me of my sins, and my situation is still difficult, but I believe through Christ he's made me an overcomer. And I believe that I'll walk through it. And I believe he's going to prepare a table before, me, before my enemies. I believe his rod and staff will protect me and guide me. I actually believe Psalm 23, not just say it at a funeral. So then it says this. Then it says, in the midst of all those difficulties... Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders. 
the uncaged church, it looks different. Lord, do something impossible in our midst. Lord, let it be undeniable that we've been with you, that we've been empowered by you. And then, Lord, let our, let our reactions be just like yours. And then, Lord, when it gets difficult, we're willing to stay right through the middle of it. And we're going we're gonna to be bold in the middle of it. And you're going to do signs and wonders in the middle. Do you you want to see more signs and wonders in your life? Stop running from the difficulty. Because if you run from the difficulty, why is he going to fix it? If you want to see grace and mercy poured out in your life, stay in the difficult situation. That's where people need the most help. So my prayer is for us this morning, is the church would be uncaged, that we'd be more like God called us to be, like he created us to be. Wild. Fanatical. Crazy in love with Jesus. Amen. 